Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is airing on Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020. Good morning, everyone. This is Shannon, and I am here today to talk with you about this week's new releases. And we'll also be sharing an interview that Kristen did a couple of weeks ago with author J.E. Pinto. So if you have read or are thinking about reading her novel entitled The Bright Side of Darkness, you will want to check this out. So before we go into any of that, I have the usual housekeeping information for you. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And now here's Kristen with J.E. Pinto. Welcome to Book Bistro. I am Kristen, and I am here today with author J.E. Pinto, the author of The Bright Side of Darkness, which, in my opinion, was a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, J.E., thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe um, kind of give us a, a summary um, in your words of, of your, your book, and we'll go from there. Well, I grew up in a small town in Colorado, north of Denver, and I was one of the blind kids who integrated the public schools. So I started writing The Bright Side of Darkness as a short story assignment in a high school English class and oh so that was a long time ago that was in the 80s <laughs> okay and um, I just got the inspiration of these kids and they came to life for me and so I wrote the story and I couldn't quite put these kids out of my mind but I wrote the story and stuck it in a scrapbook and that was that and then in the 90s now this was before the internet and all that but i needed to learn how to use a word processor um and i needed a big chunk of text so i took out that story and i was right there again with these kids sitting uh, it starts out with them at a baseball game and and it was the heat and the dust and these smart aleck kids sitting there and um, 
I was captivated. The story, the writing wasn't that good because you don't really write well as a teenager. But no, I didn't. <laughs> but I was right there, and so I cut and pasted and deleted and and added and it got better. And so I showed it to my husband at the time, and and he said, "You can't leave those kids like that." What happens to them? <laughs> and I started thinking, well, what if, you know, what if there was someone who cared about them? Mm -hmm. What if somebody intervened? And what if, what if someone thought that there was the power of, of positive change in the world? What would happen? And so that was kind of what the main thrust of the story was, was mentoring and how we can either sit back and complain about the world, which a lot of people do, or we can make a difference. And not all of us right. can do it in the powerful way that the person in the book did, but we can all do something. Exactly. And so, and I that was kind of the th the, the the theme of the book. Mm -hmm. And then during those and years, I, th I think that was amazing. I lived in some pretty rough neighborhoods and we were the stable adults, me and my husband at the time. And there were a lot of other adults who were either off doing crazy stuff or working double shifts somewhere to try to put food on the table. And so we put a lot of band-aids on skinned knees and helped with homework and gave kids breakfast. and did labor classes at the hospital and taught kids to ride bikes and, you know, just we're there for kids. Right. And so there's no, there's a, it's a fiction book. All the people are made up, but there's a lot of mm -hmm. my life that went into that. And so mm -hmm. I picked it up and put and it I, down and awesome. picked it up and put it down as life happened over the years and then in 2014, my mom died very suddenly. And I kind of got a kick in the butt from the powers that be. And I thought, you know, we don't know how much time we have to walk around on this planet, which I think we all got a collective kick in the butt now with this coronavirus thing. Well, we yeah. don't know what the future is going to be. So if you're going to do this, do it. And that's when I stopped looking for literary agents and I'd had some interest over the years and some nibbles, but it never worked out. And so I just self-published it on Amazon and have been marketing it because I got told that if I wanted my message out there, I needed to put it out there. It's basically the story of five teenage boys or young men in the projects and they are navigating their lives basically on their own and one of them who has lost his parents in a car wreck meets a young blind runaway who has taken it upon herself to be on her own rather than live with an overprotective foster mother she's running from an alcoholic father and 
well, they fall in love. And they're starting to build a future together when tragedy happens and that world is shattered. And then that group of people scatters and Rick, the main character, ends up in the home of the judge who sent him to reform school for his part in the series of events that blows his world apart. Mm-hmm. And it's the rebuilding of his life from that, which ends up rippling um, to the rebuilding of the lives of the others in that group of his friends. Mm-hmm. So it's all about how the judge helping him, the judge and his wife helping him, helps indirectly with his friends. Um, and they all try to achieve stability and, and it, it ebbs and flows. Um, but it ultimately it's a story of redemption and how one person helping one person ends up helping multiple people sort of like right. throwing a rock into a well ripples out. Right. Um, so that's, so, that's basically um, the summary. Yeah. And I, this was a beautiful story to me. Um, it, it captivated me from the beginning, honestly, um, because you, like you said, you had these, this group of kids that were kind of bullying um, this, the, the blind runaway girl. And then Rick steps up and he, you know, is gentle, he's kind, and he treats her like she's a person and not a thing to be gawked at. And that was beautiful to me. And then for him to kind of it seemed in the beginning he kind of took her under his wing and, you know, brought her back to, to introduce him to his found family pretty much. And so when you were writing this um, with these boys, um, were there any like inspirations that kind of brought each one of those boys to life? And even, even Daisy, I believe is, um, she seems like someone that there may be uh, personally a, a deep connection to someone else like her or something like that. Cause all of these characters really had beautiful souls, even if they didn't live the best life. Um, so were there really any inspirations that kind of brought each character to life? When I was in, junior high I met an author and I wish I could remember her name she was a local author and I got to interview with her and she said when you write a book you'll take you'll be like a mother bird building a nest and you'll take bits and pieces of what you know and who you meet and you'll weave them into something that you can use and I think I did that with those characters they aren't any one person, but I, I, I've met a lot of kids that were survivors. 
and mm -hmm. bits and pieces of a lot of people went into those kids. Daisy was partly me, but she was partly who I wanted to be, especially at that age. I was not a spitfire like that at mm -hmm. 17 or 16 or whatever she was. I wanted to be, but I really hadn't found my voice yet at that age. So right. I wrote her the way I wished I was. And I wrote her the way she would have been because she she was a strong character. She had already nursed her mother through breast cancer and she had lived with an alcoholic father and she had moved to a lot of places and she was kind of taking care of him and getting food from food banks. And so she had been through a lot in her young life. And most yes, she had. people had not had to do all that stuff. So I wrote her the way I imagined someone would have to be to have gone through so much. So with the with the judge and his wife that took in Rick and so many other boys and created this huge family of just positivity is how I saw it. And there were many, many points in your book where I... I cried like a baby. I won't lie. It's beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, there, there are times where, and, and it wasn't a, you know, a bad cry. It was, you know, just so beautiful. And the fact that somebody cared enough to bring Rick back from the brink and to give him a chance when not a whole lot of people would do that for, for a boy like him. And, um, you know, so the, the judge and his wife that just showed so much love, almost no matter what he did, was just amazing to me. Um, and I, you know, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I envy people who can write like that. I, I think like that, but um, I'm never able to put it down in words the way that you did with your book. And I think that was absolutely beautiful. Um. So with the judge and, and his wife and their, their home, um, is that a representation of anything or was that just something you wanted, you brought those characters to life on your own because you wanted to see what happens when somebody cares the way, the way you mentioned in the beginning? I wanted to see what happened. My home life was not like that. We'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to see what would happen if someone was like that. And being a parent now, it's harder than I ever imagined it would be. And so, I, I, no, I love you, Sarah. I think you're great. But it's, <laughs> it's still harder than I ever thought. And so now I look at the way I wrote them and I think, wow. I mean, I, they had a lot of practice by the time Rick came along. And so, you know, they were probably pretty adept at it by then. You know, they oh, seen yeah. it all. But so as a, a guide dog handler myself, and you are as well, um, this is just a question that I've 
often wondered because the German Shepherd breed is not as popular as it once was as a guide dog um, because there is quite a bit of stigmatism behind uh, behind that breed. Um, is there a reason that you chose a German Shepherd for Daisy's Guide versus, you know, Labs or Goldens that I think is what you've had experience with? Um, I just chose it because I thought it would be more recognizable to people. It w At the time that I, in the 80s, which is when the book was set, that was kind of the standard. Mm -hmm. And... So it was people kind of clued in on that. Oh, German Shepherd. That's what, that's a guide dog. Cause you know, my experience, since I have a shepherd, um, you know, I, I think that her dog and that breed and just the way that that particular dog carries themselves really fit well with Daisy because she well, was, did cause she was quite, um, strong willed. Very. I don't know that they would give a kid a shepherd. I mean, realistically, oh, you, I had to you, use some creative <laughs> license. But, well, I think back in and at that time, um, it it is possible. I think because they were a little more common, right? Um, but I just I think overall that that aside, whether it would have happened really or not, I think it was a great a great choice. Um, and the fact that, you know, Rick um, was able to get that dog back eventually was, um, that made me cry big, big tears. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was the most, I think that was one of the most beautiful scenes in the whole book to me was, was when the, when the dog came back. Um, because I, I'm a big dog lover and I was like, no. What happens to the dog? Please tell me it doesn't just disappear. <laughs> so that was that was great. Um, so is there is there anything else that you would just like to say um, as far as any advice you would give to writers, um, any books that you have read or are reading that you would recommend to people? Anything like that that you would like to to give? Well, some of the best there? books for character building which is a, a huge thing with me because if I don't care about the characters I you can have the best plot out there and I'm not interested so for me it's the mm -hmm. characters um, Stant Litor his name is S-T-A-N-T Stant Litor L-I-T-O-R-E has a book called Writing characters your readers won't forget um, mm -hmm. and it's I know it's on Kindle and I think it's coming out on Audible soon and he has another one called Building Worlds Your Readers Won't Forget and they have lots of exercises in them that you can do I did the, the course for writing characters your work, your readers won't forget an online workshop. And I've gotten both of the books on Kindle. They mm -hmm. are the bomb. <laughs> so I'll have to check those out. They're great. I would recommend those. They're probably the best books I've ever bought on writing. And I'm not getting paid to say that. I just, 
believe that. Are there any books that you have read lately just for leisure or anything you've read anytime just for leisure that you would recommend to readers? Any genre? Doesn't matter. Oh, I haven't read anything for leisure for a while because up till recently I was proofreading geometry. And- yeah, <laughs> I yeah I know you read a lot of uh, math books and history math books. books and... My job got yeah. shut down because <laughs> of the coronavirus, so now I'm not doing that. But I'm homeschooling a 12-year-old who doesn't really want to be homeschooled. We were reading The Grapes of Wrath out loud, and that is one of the best books that was ever written, in my opinion. If you want to take apart characters and see what makes people tick. Read that. I know it's long, but talk about characters that stay with you. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, that's one I haven't read. I know that it's, it's a recommended reading in, in some schools. Um, it wasn't for me, but I've, I haven't touched that one yet, but I'll, I might have Tragic. to give it a shot. Sad, <laughs> but I don't know. It just pulls at you. I have a website <laughs> at um, brightsideauthor.com. I also have a Facebook page at author J E Pinto. All right. And we'll make sure that those two, um, your Facebook page and the website are put into the the notes of the podcast so um but i will i want to thank you for joining us today and it's been great talking to you and getting a little more um insight into your characters and your overall story thank you for writing it because like i said it was a beautiful story and it's definitely one that i will go back to um i'm glad you enjoyed it even though there's it, it was amazing and even though you know there's Heartbreak, it's, it's a, overall such a beautiful story and just makes you think and wonder what our world really could be like. So thank you for writing that and, and sharing, you know, kind of your life in, in your characters and um, being so open with us and all of that. I really, I think that makes a great author. And um, you have done a wonderful job. So thank you for joining us. And um, I hope to see more from you in the future. (laughs) Well, thank you. Okay. So let's talk about some of the books coming out today. Normally, the first week of the month is a pretty big release week. And this one is a little bit of an exception. It's certainly not the smallest week I've seen, but it's also not huge. So I have several things to talk to you about, but next week is like a fantastic group of books. So if you aren't like super thrilled with stuff coming out today, wait until next week and so much greatness will be yours. So as always, this is not a comprehensive list. These are books that either I'm excited about, that my co-hostesses are looking forward to, or just generally things that I think would appeal to the listenership of the podcast. 
If you are looking forward to something and you don't hear me talk about it and you'd like to, please let me know. Um, Our contact information is at the beginning of each episode, so you can get in touch and let me know some of the things that you would enjoy hearing about. So the first few books I'm going to talk about are books that we have mentioned before in our Most Anticipated Books of June episode. So The Vanishing Half, which is the second novel by Britt Bennett, is a book that Kristen talked about. Stacy mentioned A Court of Miracles, Court of Miracles, book one by Kester Grant. And Natalia is super excited about Emily Giffen's new novel, which is called The Lies That Bind. So these three are out today. And I'm going to move along now to some books that you haven't heard us talk about. So the second home is the debut novel by author Christina Clancy. And this is kind of, I don't know, along the lines of Kristen Higgins, Jennifer Weiner, kind of Luann Rice, maybe. Um, Several generations of a family kind of reconvene after an absence um, at the seashore and kind of grapple with some secrets and resentments. Um, It looks really great. I am excited to check it out. Once again, it is The Second Home, and the author is Christina Clancy. Along the same lines is The View From Here by Hannah McKinnon. Um, And this, again, is, you know, a family reuniting at the seashore. There are a lot of these books. Sometimes they're in lakes. Sometimes they're at the sea. Um, sometimes they are like in a cabin, but they're usually like a big beach house and a group of people who don't get along very well. So if you like them, um, this is a great time of year for these kinds of books. If you don't, then I can definitely see where you might be a little miffed. But this one is The View From Here, and it's by Hannah McKinnon. We also have... The House on Fripp Island by Rebecca Kaufman. And this is another kind of vacation at the shore, but it's a little different because it's about two families. And these families have been friends. The mothers um, grew up together and used to spend time on Fripp Island as children. Now they are returning as adults and things do not go nearly as well as they're hoping. Um, So again, kind of secrets and resentments, but within a friend group rather than within like multi-generational family. And this again is The House on Fripp Island by Rebecca Kaufman. I'm moving to young adult so I can talk briefly about 10 Things I Hate About Pinky by Sandia Menon. And she has written a bunch of books that have taken the young adult romance reading world by storm. Um, When Dimple Met Rishi, and There's Something About Sweetie. She also is doing a middle grade series um, that she started out with of Curses and Kisses. So this one is a young adult romance. And it looks to be um, kind of a play on the whole, like, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You movie. Um, But this is 10 Things I Hate About Pinky by Sandhya Menon. 
If you love historical romance, especially the darker end of the historical spectrum, then you are probably a fan of Kerrigan Byrne. I know I am, Stacy is, Sarah is. So we are all very excited to know that her seventh book in the Victorian Rebel series is out today. This is A Dark and Stormy Night. It's a little bit of a cheesy title, um, but that seems to be a thing with some of her titles these days. Um, so this is Victorian Rebels book seven. I cannot tell you much about it without spoiling things in previous books. Unfortunately, it does not look to be out in audio at this point. Um, her previous books have been, so I'm assuming that this one will make its way into audio at some point. But right now it looks like it's only out um, as an ebook or in print. So again, this is A Dark and Stormy Night. Victorian Rebels, number seven, by Kerrigan Byrne. So let's talk about mysteries, because I really like mysteries and thrillers. So we have They Did Bad Things by Lauren A. Forey. And this is billed as And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie meets The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. So it's six university friends rent a house together. Things seem to be going really well. And then one of them is found dead on the sofa in the morning. Why? We don't know. If you want to know, you'll have to give it a read. It is They Did Bad Things by Lauren A. Foray. Next up for me is Her Perfect Life by Rebecca Taylor. And this is about an author that everyone loves and there seems to be like no scandal associated with her at all. But shortly after the publication of her latest book, she is found dead on a beach, um, the victim of a gunshot wound that appears to be self-inflicted. So, of course, people are trying to figure out like why she killed herself or if that's even what happened. So, again, this is Her Perfect Life, and it is by Rebecca Taylor. This next book is one that I read a couple of weeks ago and really enjoyed. This is The Choice by Jillian McAllister. It is so unique in that it takes a situation and then shows us each way the situation could go. So Joanna is walking home from a bar late at night and she is being followed. She pushes this person who is following her, like shoves him away from her and he ends up dying. So now the choice is, does she stay and report the crime or does she run away and hope that she's never discovered as being the one that, that killed him? Um, this was really, really good, very unique, and really kind of shows the consequences of even the smallest actions. I enjoyed it so much. And Jillian McAllister is just a lot of fun. So this is the choice. E. Lockhart, who wrote... We Were Liars, is releasing a new novel. This one is called Again, Again. And I have never read a Lockhart book. I own We Were Liars as well as the one that came out after that. And they both look really intriguing. I just haven't gotten around to reading either of them. But these are young adult thrillers. Um, very twisty from what I understand. 
definitely on the darker end of the thriller spectrum. So if you don't enjoy your mystery is kind of dark and twisted, you might want to avoid E. Lockhart. So again, this is again, again. Emily Liebert is coming out with a new book this week. This is Perfectly Famous. And it's about a journalist who is obsessed with finding out the truth about this author who has vanished. Now, her daughter has also vanished. And so now the question is, like, are they both dead? Are they both missing? What's going on? Um, I read one of Emily Liebert's previous books, and I did enjoy it. So I am excited about this one. It's Perfectly Famous by Emily Liebert. How about some young adult fantasy now? And not just any kind of young adult fantasy, but young adult fantasy featuring sirens. So this is A Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow. And this is set in a world where sirens are not supposed to exist. And so apparently they do. And our heroine is one such creature who has to keep her existence a secret. So I don't know if she pretends that she's like some other kind of supernatural being or if she tries to pass herself off as human. I do not know, but I really want to find out. This is A Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow. And we seem to have a little bit of a theme here as far as like YA fantasy with song in the title. This is A Song of Wreaths and Ruin by Roseanne A. Brown. And this is West African inspired young adult fantasy about a princess and a refugee. And each of them is supposed to kill the other. And at first, I guess this is fine, but then they begin to fall in love. And so can they, you know, can one of them kill the other or can they find a way to not have to do this and claim their HEA? So this again is A Song of Wraiths and Ruin by Roseanne A. Brown. Hanging out more with the young adult side of things here, but not so much fantasy now. I want to talk about the newest novel by Melissa De La Cruz. She's teaming up with Margaret Stahl, and she's written a novel. They've written a novel called Joe and Lori. And this is kind of a reimagining of Little Women um, about Joe and, of course, her childhood friend, Lori. Um, I have always been a big fan of... Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. So I'm really excited to know that we have another reimagining of this story. Again, it is Joe and Lori by Melissa De La Cruz and Margaret Stahl. Let's talk a little bit about a book called You Don't Live Here. It's by Robin Schneider and it's perfect for fans of Becky Albertalli and, of course, Adam Silvera. It is a story that combines LBGT characters and first love, grief, identity, all these things that so many young adult authors talk about with so much poignance and grace. Um, I have not heard of Robin Schneider before. But I am really excited to give this a try. Again, it's You Don't Live Here.
So lastly, I have a historical mystery for you. This is Passing Fancies, and it's Dr. Julia Kidd, book two, by Marlo Ben. This is, as I said, a historical mystery set in the 1920s. I really enjoy books set in the 20s. The first book in this series is called Relative Fortune. I have not read it, but I do own it, and I've heard great things. So if you enjoy novels set in the 20s, especially mysteries, you might want to check these out. This, again, is Passing Fancies, Julia Kidd, number two, by Marlo Ben. So that is all I have for you today. I hope I have managed to expand your TBR piles just a little bit, or a lot if you'd prefer. Either way, I hope you have something great to read. You can always get in touch. Let us know what you're reading. We love hearing from you. I hope all of you are as safe and well as possible given the current state of the world. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.